But right now, we are joined in the studio by two members from the latest production of Doublespeak, or rather Dig Collective's latest production, Doublespeak. Uh, we've got co-writer and sound designer Tim Snedden. Hello. And- Hello. And we've got Josh Linzat, who is the access officer and audio describer. Hi. How are you guys doing today? Great. Very well. How are you? I'm actually really, really good. Having heaps of fun here on radio. You look Absolutely. like you're very happy. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Absolutely. For, for any uh, listeners who can't see the studio, he does actually look very happy. <laughs> um, Manical face. So, double speak. Tell us a bit about that. So, Diggs had uh, me working this show, Double Speak, for about a year and a half now, I think. This will be the third season. Performed it previously in Frankston and Brunswick, and now Footscray is part of the um, Call to Create Footscray Community Arts uh, Centre. It's um, recontextualised every time we do it, and uh, usually involves, or does involve, the community, the um, immediate community around the show as well. So the show's about difficult conversations, and we engage with local communities about conversations about uh, if Australia's ever felt like an island to you, focusing through like a political, cultural or social lens. And we spend some time on the streets before we perform the show and the community's voices become incorporated into the show as well as the sort of abstract narrative that we're trying to present. I find it interesting that you're talking about Australia as an island because I've lived in Australia my entire life yeah, and I've been lucky enough to travel overseas. But until I travelled overseas, I never thought of Australia as an island because it was all that I knew. Sure, yeah. And did you find that that's the case with some of these interviews? We've had some really interesting voices coming through. Stories of immigration, stories of sort of cultural isolation, older generations talking about their memories of their parents in world wars or themselves, um, or even more um, recent events like 9-11 and sort of our uh, politicians' reactions to these events. But basically the whole show kind of emerged when we were sort of, uh, after the election of Tony Tony Abbott becoming Prime Minister, you know, all of us were shocked because you know, none of us voted for Tony. How did this happen? Blah, blah, blah. But obviously the majority of Australians did and there was this sort of vital, difficult conversation which we didn't have, at least in our community or at least in communities which are sort of segregated by their political ideals. And so this show just is trying to talk about how isolation in Australia is this sort of literally geographically isolated landscape has sort of led to this sort of confusing, murky political landscape we're sort of currently experiencing yeah and i think you mentioned our own personal communities we weren't having that conversation and there was this feeling that we had that maybe feeling almost like embedded in a in this um which for us was a very art, kind of arty kind of lefty kind of community that our politics got in the way of us actually having conversations about what was going on mm. i think and so the show is two actors or characters telling their stories of their experiences of that election night finding that that was indeed the case that the conversation was kind of difficult to have and feeling a need to create this show in order to, to try and have these kinds of conversations. Yeah, and practically doing so by literally talking to people about the sort of ideas we're interested in talking about or what they're interested in talking about as well. Yeah, because yeah, the the name Doublespeak, it's, mm. you know, obviously an Orwellian Absolutely, reference. Yeah. Um, so does that involve the kind of explicitly like government side of politics or are you trying to evoke more the sort of uh, dichotomy between how, I, I suppose, the political factions yeah. and things like that. Well, I mean, like, I think theatre's inherently political, so there's politics of, of theatre and politics of personal relationships and politics of politics. So I think everything is political, but, like, uh, there's a sort of very um, human and personable aspect of the show as well as this sort of macro Orwellian aesthetic going on at the same time behind everything at the same... Yeah. 
And so was the decision to make this, because it's listed as like an experimental mm. production, was that also kind of like an explicit political statement or was that just more of a creative decision? I think it's experimental in the way of how our company functions and that is that when we started off in 2011, we were a physical theatre company and had this um, clown show with circus training but had like politics behind it all. But we've always sort of... Um, followed where the work has led us to go and so when this show started being created it was very text heavy and um very strong politics involved so the company sort of evolved again now we say experimental and, and contemporary but really um we're just following the work yeah that's sort of our priority I was going to ask you, Josh, we're lucky enough to have you, the access officer, mm. in for this. And it sounds like this is actually quite a complicated piece to construct. Well, when you're the access officer, I assume that's not just in terms of physical access, like helping people who might need physical help getting into the studio, such as wheelchairs or whatnot, but also access from a cultural level. Can you tell us more about your role in this production? Yeah, I mean, that's true. I think one of the misconceptions about when we talk about access is that we mean wheelchair access, but it can mean so much more than that. I mean, in terms of a multiplicity of voices and the three different locations of the show, it's been a very conscious decision to try and tour the work around. The access for this show is focused on access for audience members who are blind or have low vision, which is where my role as an audio describer comes in, and I can probably explain that in a bit more detail. If you like. Yeah, what is, um, audio, yeah. What is, what is this audio-described performance? <laughs> audio description is, as I said, a service provided for audience members who are blind or have low vision. And it's used in theatre, TV, film, gallery tours. And it's the visual made verbal. So I watch the show on a live feed in a separate room as the show is being performed. And I describe all the visual elements of the show. And audience members using the service will listen to my descriptions wearing headphones as they sit in the audience mm. um, during the show. And this show's great for audio description because it's so text-heavy, which makes my job hard because I have to describe in between actors' lines mm. so we're not talking over the top of each other. But it means that um, I think the main method of communication is through spoken text. Mm. And Josh is very humble, but he, um, he and Collaboratives uh, designed this system. I think we're, as we're aware, one of the first independent companies in Melbourne to have this technology and we're making it available for other companies as well because access is very important yeah specifically an independent theatre company it's rare and possibly unique like I don't know any company who's developed because usually the material to do this usually it's so expensive to do this Mm. and we've um, made a very budget effective way of doing doing it and it sounds like audio because you're listed as the sound designer as well it sounds like the the project is kind of very audio heavy as well is it yeah um, so I had previously have done Shows I've worked with live musicians or worked in a studio separately, but because of the way of our making process, I was really involved in um, from the very start as also um, being one of the co-devisors. So I was in the room every rehearsal and sound was responding to what uh, our two actors were making or what the director was suggesting or what I was putting forward. It was sort of this collaborative, a very intense collaborative process where sound sort of became a character in the show, this... Um, that Orwellian sort of aesthetic, along as along with you know other political leaders from contemporary times and stuff, their voices are coming through, as well as sort of you know soundscapey things as well. Yeah, yeah, that sounds incredibly well experimental. I <laughs> yeah. suppose. 
We're lucky enough to have Tim Snedden and Josh Linzat in the studio here talking to us about doublespeak, and we've got some more questions for you guys. Hooray! Hooray. So, before we've been speaking about how it's to do with politics, and I think we can discuss a bit more about this. From what I gather, the show is about politics, and you say it's constructed each time, which means that some of it must be created organically. So, does that mean you discuss different political topics each time, or do you focus on one specific theme? Yeah, so I guess each time we remount the show, there's definitely new issues that are arisen, obviously, and just new voices and issues that are arisen. But we have some sort of overarching sort of ideals that come through every show, ideas of sort of patriarchal hierarchies or just gender division or even binary systems in that way. We've got a male and a female performer. And it was really hard for us to construct this show with uh, that sort of ideology behind us because binary systems are what is the perceived notion of everything and it's hard to sort of play with different rhythms and to explore how that can be alternative, I guess. But also just the ideas of trying to express yourself. What does that mean without, you know, if you want to be politically correct or incorrect, but also supportive, but also confrontational. And yeah, I guess it's about the politics of conversation and relationships in general. Would you agree, Josh? I agree, Tim. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. In terms of access, I mean, the show's very political with the big P in terms of governments and elections and such, and but in terms of politics with a little P and the kind of social values that the show has, I think one of the questions that I get asked so often from artists when we start talking about access is, will this compromise the quality of my work? Or I'm not a social worker, is this my job? And there's a it, it's, it causes artists to kind of rethink their role as a um, artist as auteur or and you know picture an image of an artist in a darkened room with a candle with their eyes closed feeling and just expressing themselves <laughs> and then their right to put that and express themselves just by simply putting that in front of people um, which of course is their right but if you don't think about the political ramifications of your art who is the work for what audience are you speaking to if you're not thinking about that you know, you're just reinstating the way things are. And so you need to make, in my opinion, quite conscious decisions to consider who your work is for and to make, um, you know, adaptations, which is not a limitation, but it's actually an opportunity for it, it enriching the work. So so you, you were saying while we had a song playing that it's not access for everyone. How, do, how does that eventuate? Yeah, well, the question we were talking about, why isn't it Ozone interpreted as well as being, you know, um, Ozone, in case you don't know, listeners, is a, a sign language, um, an Australian sign language for um, people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And that's because we are focusing on one thing and focusing on doing it well. As, you know, working as a access officer to ask someone to do everything at once is overwhelming and possibly you know impossible you know you have to do it well there are ways of doing things and you have to have to learn so this is a i mean the dig collective is a group that's made a long-term commitment to each other and to the collective and likewise a long-term commitment to access i don't think it's anything you ever get right it's something that you need to learn about you know you can learn about continuously mm-hmm. so this is where we've decided to to start off and in the future, you know, we'll look to do more things, and I think that's good. Absolutely, yeah. With more resources and more understanding education that comes in. Yeah. yeah. Considering it's a partly audio-described performance, as you were saying earlier, how has that affected how you've designed the sound? Well, yeah, so the introduction of the piece is like a very lengthy soundscape that sort of brings you into the world aesthetically and conceptually. That's a shared experience for everyone. The room's dark, 
it's um everyone starts on level playing field there's no description needed during that introduction so i guess that was considered but um it's been great because josh has been in the room with us always he was offering us provocations when we were designing aspects of the work like can you incorporate smell into this into this you know little moment or can you consider any other sensory engagement so in making the work we were consciously trying to be I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really exciting because access then becomes creative element. That's right. You know. And, you know, as Josh said, it's not a limitation. More limitations means um, more focused and defined and exciting work, I always find. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It, it seems like a lot of a lot of people who complain about these so-called limitations are mm. not realizing how, like, how much they're actually limiting their work by not considering absolutely the you know who their work is for and, and the stuff that yeah. you were talking about josh that it's like painting without a canvas yeah 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 or painting on a canvas that only you can afford that's right yeah. yes yeah <laughs> well thank you so much so much for your the wealth of information you've given us and telling us about double speak if you are interested in seeing double speak it's on Thursday the 19th of May at 7.30 and also, well that's the preview and the whole season will run from the 20th uh, on Friday to the 21st and that's next... It's in, it's in about in two May. or three weeks. Two or three, yeah, three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, in May. Yeah, so 20th and 21st of May at 7.30pm at the Footscray Community Arts Centre. That's right. Um, we'll also be at the front doing our public office where you can come and talk to us in person about your ideas of Australia as an island from the 9th and 10th of May. Mm-hmm. We've Excellent. also got a hotline you can even call up and leave a voice message and you can call 0451051681 and answer the same question if you're up for it. Excellent. Yeah. That's, that's, was that an access decision? Or? Um, yeah, partly. It also you know, serves the work as well. Absolutely, because yeah. yeah. I take those actual sound bites and it may be in the show. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of sound bites, we'd love to get capture some of your sound in our exquisite corpse story. Uh, So, if you don't know what an exquisite corpse is, it's a line or two or just a phrase. Every uh, presenter we have in the show adds to it, and eventually we read out this exquisite corpse story. Exquisite corpse doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with the story of what the story is about. But we have our previous guest's line here. Would you like to read it out? Yes. So, so the previous guest's line was. Deep underwater, where it lay unseen for a goodly while, until it resurfaced one fine day. Wow. How do you want to do this? One at a time. One at a time? Okay. Yep. Like a word or like a Yeah, I've got one. Okay. I've got a sentence and then you can do maybe it. I could, maybe I could um, collaboratively tweak that sentence. Is that appropriate? Yeah, so mine's a draft and yours is the final version. Yes, I okay. like that. Here we go. Uh, resurfaced, reborn, a renaissance. It proclaimed a new era in the local township's art. I think that's perfect. Yeah, are you happy with that? That was really poetic and lovely. It was really poetic and lovely. Thank you very much, Josh. My pleasure. Wow. Excellent. (laughs) Thank you. 